Okay, Shabbat Tov, everybody. Before anything, we'd like to bless, thank Ronald Mandel for helping in the Malava Malka food, Baruch Hashem. And the Shir is Levin Ishmat, Dvorfeg, Bachmuel, and Menachem Mendel ben Alchanan, and the Schut and the Merit of the Tzadikim, and in particular, Rabbi Nachman ben Fege, they should have a major Aliyah ben Neshama, Bezat Hashem. All right, so before we actually begin, just to explain the setup of the class tonight, and I do, I'll do my best to have it explained as much time as possible so, so, so people shouldn't get home so late. Uh, one second here. We lost the connection. Amazing. <laughs> Good manias. Okay. The class will be divided in two parts. First, we're going to go into Rabbi Nachman's introduction of concepts and now that's developed and explained in marriage. And the final part of the class will be first time doing this, I think, in 200 years. It's called the Breast of Challenge, 40-day challenge, using the ideas we're going to bring tonight and see if you have the, the, the guts, <laughs> the, the holy zealousness to face this 40-day challenge. Being tomorrow is Aleph Elul, and 40 days would mean to end on Yom Kippur. It's fitting to coincide both of them. Okay, okay it's, a, it's, a, it's a suggestion to use this 40-day challenge from Rosh Chodesh Elul until Yom Kippur. So first, we'd like to explain the introduction concepts. But before that, many people here don't really know about Rabbi Nachman, or if they do, which just a quickly, a quick, quick, quick summary of who he was and the books we're gonna tap into tonight. Rabbi Nachman, he passed away in the year 1810 at the age of 38 alone. And what he accomplished, many, many tzaddikim in their lifetimes didn't really, really get to. He, one second here, I don't know where it just we stopped the share, sorry about that. He uh, wrote a book, his book, the main magnum opus of Rabbi Nachman is called Likutei Moharan. These are lessons, and we're going to go into this at the end of the class, where every person in the world, if they're sincere, they can find what they're going through in life in these teachings. We tonight are going to go into one lesson, lesson 24, where Rabbi Nachman ex explains the concept of Simcha, and then this other concept, what Simcha leads to in the settling of the mind and knowing how to balance between emotion and intellect. And this, Rav Nossin, I will explain now who Rav Nossin is. Rav Nossin, Rabbi Natan, was the main disciple of Rabbi Nachman. He passed away in the year 1844 at the age of 65. And he was the one responsible to spreading Rabbi Nachman's teachings until today. If you have anything that's best of today, it's thanks to this disciple. He wrote a book, an eight-volume masterpiece called Likutei Halachot, where he takes the concepts of the Code of Jewish Law and explains them from a hashkafa perspective, from the, the, the moral, ethical perspective, using Rabbi Nachman's book, Likutei Moran. So in this, he decides, on this lesson 24 that we're going tonight, he goes into the concept of ishut, of marriage, and he shows the ideas, the foundations of marriage based on this lesson 24. So now, without further ado, the ideas of lesson 24. Lesson 24, again, it's disconnecting. I don't think I have internet. I'm sorry about this. Yeah, Chava. Try this one more time. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Okay. Lesson 24 is like this. Rabbi Nachman starts off by saying that a Jew has to strive to do mitzvot besimcha. Why? 
the starting point of every Jew, whether it's on a daily basis, whether it's in a period in life, like a, a stage, if it's teenagehood, the 20s, the 30s, if it's now a new change from teenagehood to marriage, okay? Any person, when starting, they start off in darkness. This is represented in the beginning of the Torah, or the beginning of the Chumash, where the Torah shows us the days of creation, and after every day it says, Vayi'erev, Vayboker, the day, the Jewish day starts at night, dark, and then Boker, we don't start in the morning, our day doesn't start in the morning like the rest of the world, we start at the beginning of the night, Marev, Arvit is the first prayer of the day, okay? This pattern is the idea of how life is. You start in the darkness. Why? Why do we have to start in the darkness? This is basically the mission what Hashem sent us into this world. We're here on a mission. What is the mission? We're here to collect what's called holy sparks, holiness, which is scattered throughout the world. This world is called olam in Hebrew. The word for Hebrew world is olam. Ayin vav lamed mem, which is rooted in the word for concealment, ha'alama. This world is hiding something. The nature, the trees, societies, technology, houses, businesses, countries, Everything you see, the, the lions, the tigers, the bears, waterfalls, everything that you see, the sun, the moon, there's something that is hiding. What is it hiding? These holy sparks that are there from the beginning, the beginning, the beginning. The Kabbalah teaches even before Adam and Eve were created, these sparks were already initiated in the creation. Our job as a Jewish nation, until Mashiach comes, is to collect these holy sparks. How do we do that? This is the concept of doing a mitzvah. Mitzvah, the word mitzvah on one hand means a commandment, but mitzvah really also means tzvat, a connector. We're connecting the holiness trapped in this world, hiding in this world, bringing it back to Hashem through the mitzvah. The mitzvah has a, has a funny indicator to this in that you have four letters here, mem tzadik, vav he. The vav he is from Hashem's name, yud ke, vav he, vav ke. And the mem tzadik, is hiding the first two letters of Hashem's name, Yudke, showing that it's intangible, and our goal is, the goal is to connect what is tangible, reflected in Hashem's second part of His name, the Vavke, is corresponding to what's tangible of Hashem's expression in this world, to that which is beyond us. How does that work? There is a type of numerical value system, Gematria in Hebrew, called Atbash. Atbash is we take the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, there's 22 exact letters, and we fold them in two. So you have 11 and 11. When you fold them in two, the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph, now corresponds to the final one called Tav. And then the Bet is the second last letter of the, the Sheen. The Gimel is the Resh, okay? So it's folded. When you, when you look at it like that, the Mem corresponds to Yud, and the Tzadik corresponds to the first He. Hidden in the mitzvah that you do is Hashem. Okay, when you're holding a mitzvah, they say you're holding godliness. It's true. When you have the etchol, you love in your hand. When you put on the tefillin, when you say the brachot for Shabbat, when you say a bracha, when you're doing any type of mitzvah, and we have hundreds and hundreds of mitzvot, these are all, all opportunities to connect the divine sparks in this world back to Hashem. When this is finally done, this is the indicator for Mashiach to come. Okay, we're working so so long, almost six thousand years. He's not here yet. But we have more and more sparks to collect, to, to bring out Bezat Hashem. So, as a Jew, we do mitzvot. But the thing is, for the mitzvot to do its job and to go up, you need a basis. 
What is the basis for the mitzvot? It's joy. Doing the mitzvot with joy. Where do you see that in the Torah? Coming up, Parashat Kitavo. It says there that after all the curses, there's 98 curses, Moshe Rabbeinu says, be careful if you don't do this, that you're going to get this and this and that, terrible, terrible things. At the end of the list, the Torah says, why is this happening? Tachat asher lo et Hashem besimcha The verse says, the reason why all these punishments will come is because you're not serving Hashem with joy. The Pasuk says, with joy in a good heart. The Torah say, does, it doesn't say, all this is happening because you're not serving Hashem. No, it didn't say that. The concern here is how you're serving Hashem. With joy. The Pasuk is saying that. That the curses will come about if now you fall off. Where's the, where's the possibility of a person to fall off? If his Judaism is dreadful, heavy, burdensome, ich, you know, no connection, no joy in, in doing it. So the person eventually is going to fall off. And then it's leading to all the punishments. Why? Because there was no simcha. From here we see the boost of all the mitzvot is doing them with joy. In fact, in Hasidic teachings they say that the joy behind the mitzvah is greater than the mitzvah itself. Okay? That's a big statement. The joy behind the mitzvah is the goal of the mitzvah. When you put on tefillin, it's one thing to put it on, but it's another thing to put it on and to be happy about it. To keep Shabbat, to be happy about it. To, you know, to say a bracha, anything to feel that joy. It's something, obviously, we have to work on, and there's many advices given. This is not the class, especially for that. We spoke about it last time we were here about six months ago. There's many, many advices how a person can get in a good mood and a good feeling and a good vibe in order to do the mitzvah properly with the proper joy. But when joy is activated, the mitzvah then goes up. It goes upwards and has momentum. When this happens to a person, when he begins to feel good about himself, he, begins to feel, he feels good on what he has and he appreciates it. So this has a ripple effect in that the person's surroundings begin to change. People around him, society, surroundings, nature begins to also join in unison with him because he's in such a positive attitude, it, it draws in positivity. Like This is a known idea. When a person is very negative, he wakes up the wrong side of bed, he ossicles the grouch, he goes to work, so everyone also says to him, right? he comes to show negative, everybody's negative also. He asks for it. But the opposite is also true. When the person has positivity, it reflects, it, 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 it's contagious, it spreads, it gets other people in a good mood also. And in this case, when a person now is serving Hashem and he has a joy and he's happy about it, it has an effect. This gets the world moving. It gets everything moving. He says, Rav Nossin, in his commentary, he says, this can activate all the levels of the creation to wake up and in unison with a person to serve Hashem. The person is getting the world moving by his positivity and his, and, his, and, his, and his happy attitude that he has. This in turn brings down what's called bracha. The key to bracha in life, Rabbi Nachman teaches here, is simcha. The simcha you have in appreciating what you have. By the way, simcha and a mitzvah is basically every, every second you turn. We have a famous thing we say every day, every day. Translation. Rabbi Hananya Ben Akasha says the following. 
Hashem wanted to bring merit to the Jewish people. So how did, how, what did he do? He gave them tons of Torah and mitzvot. So Rav Nosen asked a question. That's a, that's a merit, that's a burden. Hashem wanted to give merit to the Jewish people, so he gives them tons of mitzvot. What do you mean? You want to give me merit, so give me an overload of mitzvot? The answer is yes. Why? Because anytime you, you turn and make a move as a Jew, you're doing a mitzvah, whether consciously or unconsciously. For example, the famous, famous opening of the Mishnah Burah, the first Bira Lacha, the Chafetz Chaim, lists six mitzvot that a Jew can do just by thought. By thinking about Hashem in a certain way, you get a mitzvah. You're thinking like this, six mitzvah that a Jew can constantly connect to. Which means that the life of a Jew is always surrounded by mitzvah, whether you're aware of it, whether you're not. Sometimes, you know, you're in a bakery, and there's an older lady who has to go in, and you open the door for her, and you're not even thinking about it, you got a mitzvah. Besides being ethical and moral, like in, in world standards, you got a mitzvah here. Things are moving. As a Jew, every time you turn, there's tons of mitzvah involved, okay? So the life of a Jew is always surrounded with mitzvot. So meaning now, having a constant happy attitude and enables you, whatever you're doing in life, to be happy about it. This is even when I can't do the mitzvah properly. I do my best in doing it. The, the greatest example is davening. We're not the best daveners in the world. We're not now concentrating every single word. But I, I, I'm happy about it. That even little me, even as I am so far and I can't concentrate and I've done what I've done in my life, and yet I'm able to put on tefillin, I'm able to daven and say the words. I'm so honored that I have this chut to say the words. Even though my daven, he did it out the best, but I appreciate it and I value it. This is simcha. This activates eventually what's called bracha. Now the question is, what is bracha? What is bracha? The Zohar says like this. Bracha is obviously bounty, but if bracha is missing one ingredient, it's not considered bracha. This is what Pirkei Avot says, and it's also in the Gemara, Nedari, like this. Dat kanita machasarta, dat chasarta, Makanita. If you have that, if you have knowledge, which is the wisdom of Hashem, the dot, the true dot is called the wisdom of God, you have everything. What are you lacking? And if you don't have the wisdom of God in your life, so what do you have? You may have a nice fancy, fancy Lamborghini and house and everything, but if God's not in the picture, the wisdom, the awareness of God's in the picture, what do you have? So the, the Zohar explains, this is the real bracha, and it's hinted to in the word baruch, bet, resh, Vav Chaf, the Zohar, Tikkun Zohar says like this, that it stands for Birchot Rosh Umekor Kol, the blessings of the head, which is the intellect, being the source of everything, that the true bracha is to know Hashem. Your awareness of Hashem is heightened life, this is the greatest bracha. If a person now gave me five million dollars or the gift of King Solomon to know Hashem, so a person was wise, he'll choose the wisdom of Hashem, because afterwards he'll see that he doesn't need the five million, or he can even do with less, or he can get it automatically as part of it. But the point is, the dot is the main thing. If your connection to God is there, that's the greatest gift you can have. If you know Hashem is always with you, and you have it clear. It's like the, the story of the Rav Yitzhak of Berdichev. Rav Yitzhak of Berdichev, he came from a family of also of uh, opposition to, the, to Hasidim, and he became a Hasid, he became a follower of the Magad of Mizrich. And once he came to his hometown to visit, and they had, they had the, the, the family members and the rabbis that he grew up with and the fellow colleagues, they said, so what did you learn by, by the Hasidim? What did you gain? So he said, I learned that there is a God. So they laughed at him. He said, you have to go to the Hasidim to learn that there is a God? Come with us. 
they took him to the bakery, and in the bakery there was a young goy, a goyish girl working there, selling the bread. They asked, excuse me, do you believe in God? She says, of course I believe in God. So he looked at Yitzchak, and he said, you see, even she, she's saying about God. So he said, she sang it, but I know it. That's the difference, I know it, I feel it, it's tangible. Hashem is tangible in my life, okay? This is that. This is the greatest bracha that a person can aspire for, okay? Now what happens when a person gets this bracha in his life, so Hashem opens up more and more to a person. Because the truth is, there are endless levels out there. We, in society, where we're just involved in the, the regular day-to-day -day life, in the grind of life, waking up in the morning, davening, making my coffee, go to work, and then interacting with people and this and that, and then going back at home and maybe having some shir and halacha and gemara, whatever, and then mincha marev, and the family scenario, and then going back to sleep and then waking up a day, okay? We get so caught up in the daily grind of life without realizing there's endless levels which are accessible, not just for like big tzaddikim who have high levels, but there are levels that I can connect to that I'm not touching, I'm not even tapping into. And it's chaval, it's really chaval, it's really a shame. Because there's so much out there, like they always say, these scientists, you know, we only use like 5% of the brain, 10% of the brain, it's true. We are using a percentage of the brain, even when it comes to Torah, because there's so much out there. Forget about just the books, all the Talmud and the Shas and the Mishnayot and the Zohar and the Midrashim and everything. But your level of depth of understanding, you can really see that in yourself, the way you perceive life and Judaism and Hashem when you're 15 years old and then when you're 25, 35, 45, 55, your perception is always changing, hopefully for the better. But just imagine how much more is out there that you never are tapping into. This is what's called bracha. When a person now has simcha, like we said, in doing the mitzvot, this gives him this propeller force, this momentum, to start going up and up and up and up. And Hashem opens the doors for a person. Yes, he begins to see amazing things that he can't express to another person. He's seeing these amazing revelations of Hashem in his life, the divine providence, Hashem's guiding hands, perceptions, concepts, things come to a person, even if he's not opening books necessarily. But Hashem is opening up the doors for such a person because he's on the drive. This doesn't come to say, so you don't have to learn Torah. The Torah you learn obviously enhances. The more Torah you learn, the more you have this enhancement. But it happens even by a simple Jew just doing whatever is accessible to him. B'simcha, he has this opening, this opening of bracha. So now when this happens, a person now gets overexcited with the ascent from level to level. But there's a danger. If a person keeps on going up, then he'll just disintegrate because Hashem's light is called the infinite light. And the one shining a person, light in his life, the light of awareness, the light of godliness of knowledge, is coming from the infinite light. But now that if you connect to it too much, you'll disappear. Hashem doesn't want that. Hashem's goal in the creation is that while in a physical existence that we're in, to recognize Hashem's presence. This is the greatest accomplishment in the world. It says in the Gemara, for example, that when Mashiach comes, the only festival that will continue to exist is Purim. No more Pesach, no more Sukkot, no more Shavuot, because all those festivals are commemorating Zecher Vitziat Mitzrayim, commemorating the, 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 the leaving of Egypt where there were tons of miracles. You're not going to believe after 10 plagues and the splitting of the Red Sea. Of course you're going to believe. But Purim, or the whole story of Purim, the timing of Achashverosh and Amman and Mordechai coming in and all these things, the timing, how everything was so orchestrated perfectly, you see clearly that Hashem is behind the picture. For Hashem, this is the greatest, greatest accomplishment that within nature, 
Hashem is revealed. They say about Mashiach, Rabbi Nachman said about Mashiach, he's going to conquer the entire world without shooting a single missile. You'll think it's going to be a war, Gog and Magog, big battles. He, with just the faculty of speech and knowing how to talk to people, he's going to, he's going to have everybody under his feet, Mashiach. But to show you again that, that in nature, revealing Hashem, this is the greatest thing. This is what Hashem wants. So if now a person becomes spiritual and overdose of his spiritual high that Hashem is giving him, he'll, live, he'll, leave this, he'll leave this world. He'll leave his physical existence. And Hashem doesn't want that. So there's what's called a, in the Kabbalah, it's called a betisha. Person gets a type of a smash backwards. He bumps into a boundary, a wall, called the keter. It's, it's, a, it's a level called the keter. It bounces back a person in life. This happens to everybody. Everybody, even someone who's in the mundane, when a person has aspirations and goals to advance, and to advance and to go ahead, he hits a wall, a barrier. Things are going good for a person. How's life? How's Parnas? How's the family? Oh, amazing, amazing, amazing. And then a person hits a wall. Each person has the hit in a different format. Some people it's Shalom Bite issues. Some people it's health issues. Some people it's children issues. Some people it's spiritual issues, monetary issues, etc. Everyone gets it in life that they have that bounce back. Why? Because like we said, if things are just smooth and he's going from level to level advancing, he will disappear. Hashem doesn't want that. Hashem wants you in the physical existence, in the darkness, to recognize Hashem, to reveal Hashem. So this bounce takes place. What is the test then? The test then is how the person takes that bounce. Most people in the world, when they have these bounces back taking place, they take it the wrong way. What does it mean taking it the wrong way? When going up, when a person has things going up and he's happy, happiness is an emotion. The emotion's place is in the heart, like it says in Tehillim, Natata Simcha Belibi. Hashem, you've given, King David says, Hashem, you gave joy in my heart. The place of joy is in the heart. Heart is an emotion. When a person now hits this bounce, if a person continues with emotion, uh, what's it called, gear shift, in the emotion mode, he for sure will crash. Why? Because he will begin to feel guilty. Just look, yesterday, 10 years ago, I was just so good. Life was amazing. My marriage was okay. Things are just going amazing. And now look what happened to me. If the person continues with the emotion attitude, he will crash. He'll take it the wrong way and he'll stay back. He'll stay below. The test is, as, as soon as this happens, a person has to switch from emotion mode to intellectual mode. He explains this like, like this, Rabbi Nachman, that when this bounce takes place, it's meant to do something to the mind, which is called l'sader u l'yashevet amoach to organize and structure the mind, to explain with an analogy. A guy has a warehouse where he takes in inventory, okay? And every day, tons of inventory is coming in. So he has one truck unloading inventory, and he says, okay, put everything over here. While this truck is unloading the inventory, another truck comes to bring another inventory, so okay, put it over here. And another truck comes in, he leaves, the first one leaves, a third one comes, okay, put it here. What happens to the storehouse? Everything's a balagan, everything's mixed up. Because all the boxes are all over, there's no room to put everything. I need to make, I need a break. Whoa, whoa, let's stop, let's stop. Give me time to fix the warehouse so I can organize the inventory. The mind works the same way. When a person is having an ascent when things are going good for a person in life. So he's absorbing, 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 absorbing also knowledge. Hashem is opening the doors for a person and any level it is, and things are coming in, things are coming in, and he's absorbing it now. But he's not, he's just swallowing it up. 
Are you organizing, settling your mind? No, because you're too busy in, in what's called the absorption mode, you know? In, in the laws, for example, of kashering vessels, hagalat kelim, you know, when you buy used vessels from a non-Jew, whatever you want to kasherize it. So there's what's called havla'a and haflata. That there's a time when a vessel absorbs. For example, if, if, if there was a pan with non-kosher meat, okay? So it's absorbing. So now we want to get it that it's not absorbing anymore. So you heat up the vessel, so it's in haflata. It's now emitting, spitting out all the absorbed non-kosher fat or meat in the, in the pot. So there's halacha in, in that section that it can't do two at once. Because there's a worry that if now you leave it too long in the water, you're boiling a vessel to kosherize it. So now all the non-kosher fats and everything are now in the water that's boiling around. Are you worried now that the vessel will reabsorb the non-kosher fat that's in the water? So the halacha says, as long as it's in what's called haflata mode, it's in the mode of spitting out the non-kosher fat and, and, and contents, it can't reabsorb it at that point. So too by human being. When you're absorption mode, so you, have nothing, you, you can't think of anything else. You're absorbing, absorbing. Hashem is opening the doors for you in life. So you're taking in, taking in. But you have no time to organize. We need you to organize your life. Hashem is giving you a gift of many, many lights, many things, many good experiences. But what are you doing with them? So what's needed is a bounce. And the bounce causes a person to now organize the mind. The bounce back, where there's no advance now in life, allows you to now use the mind to fix it now, to organize it. All these things that I've taken in all these years now, now we have to take a break and we have to organize it. Hashem knows when's the right time for each person to give them that bounce. It comes, to each person it comes. Some people comes many times in their life. Sometimes a person has a major, major, you want to call it a traumatic event. They call it a traumatic event because it's scary. But really it's building up the person like anything else if he takes it positively. What's the way to take it positively? that he switches from emotion mode to what's called the intellectual mode, okay? If he does that, his mind, where now he's organizing the inventory, the stock, everything that he allowed into his warehouse, now is built properly to now perceive even higher levels of Hashem's awareness, that even if a person were to learn a million Torahs, a million years, Gemara, Poskim, Shulchan Aruch, Midrash, Zohar, he wouldn't perceive what life's experiences in these bounces back give to a person. This is, by the way, why also in halacha, there's a, there is a law that we respect an elder, even a Gentile elder person. There's laws to respect them. Why? Because they went through so many challenges in life and they're still here. So their experience of life earns them the title of respect. Because they went through things that you didn't go through and they're still around. He's like 80 years old, 90 years old, and he's still walking and he's still here, even though he's a goy. But still, what he went through, the challenges of life built him, okay? This is the idea that we're reflecting here. But the more you take it in positively, the more you develop as a tashem. So here, Rabbi Nachman says, the trick is knowing when to use the emotion, which is the simcha, and then when to resort to what's called the chokhmah, the secha, the brain, okay? And it's a challenge, it's a trick. Because here the emotion is when you're going up, and then when you go back down, most people there use emotion. What did Hashem do to me? It was so good, the, the doors were open for me in life, I had such light, and now this happened? No, 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 don't go into emotion mode, you're gonna eat yourself up. The guilt and the feeling of how I was and how I am, that emotion can destroy a person. Rather what? This happened because Hashem wants me now to organize myself, wants to organize my life, I have to see who I am, I have to suddenly organize my brain. This is what the bounce actually does. This is what Rabbi Nachman brings in lesson 24.
his disciple of Nasin brings us into the secret of marriage in an amazing way, Bezat Hashem. He says like this, the, the bounce back, we said, in the Kabbalah comes from a sphere called the Keter. The Keter is the crown of Hashem. Being a crown, it's like a protection. It's, like, it's between the head of the king, if you want to say, and the people. It's what separates what's behind the crown and the people. It's like an interface, it's a wall. You want to tap into the mind of the king of Hashem, as if, to say, you're going to have to pass this wall, this crown. So this crown is like a, the barrier. It's called the Keter because behind it is the way to crown Hashem, yes. But the way to connect to it is to wait. The word Keter is similar to another word found in, in, in the book of Job. In Eov, there's a verse when Job there was complaining to his friends what God did to him, all the suffering he went through. And he asked a good question, why did Hashem do this to me? So his friend told him, Katar li ze'er Give me a moment to think about your question and I'll answer you back. So he used, I think it was Eliphaz, the friend of Eov, he used the word Katar. Katar translates as weight and it's also grammatically similar to the word for crown, Keter. So the Keter is a pushback, okay, and it caused the person to wait. Because the person, the normal person, is anxious to advance. The way we're designed in life, in society, is we want to advance. We don't waste time. If now the doors are open, the attitude of a person is to go up and go up and go up. What's hard is for a person to accept a bounce back and to believe that this is part of the advance. Because I'm going backwards. You're telling me that I'm advancing? The answer is yes. But it's in this format that you're bounced back in life in order to recollect and organize the mind. Okay? So Rav Nassim, he says like this. This is the representation of the wife. The verse reads in Mishle, there's two verses like this, Eshet Chayel, right? We have two verses that begin with the words Eshet Chayel. Friday night we sing Eshet Chayel Mi Imtza. And there's another verse that reads, Eshet Chayel Ateret Baala. The, wife, the, the woman of valor is the crown of her husband. Rav Nossin explains amazingly that this is the greatest job of the wife. That she's there when the husband now is running, 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 running to advance, and he wants to run to do things, to run to shul, to run to this. The wife has a power, gift, a gift from God, that when it's the right moment, the man needs to <laughs> smash and back, to be pushed back to take his breaks. Because if not, he will have a crash. It's too much light. So again, the verse, Eshet Chayel Ateret Bala, the role of the wife is to be the man's keter. The man's keter meaning, she's helping me now to advance in order that I can perceive God at the highest of levels. But what format does it come? It comes as a betisha. It comes backwards, okay? What is the test of the man when that happens is that he has to be very, very careful to have this expertise to know to switch from emotion mode, which he had until now, because it had a great day, everything's going smooth and everything. An example, I think I brought it this morning in the, the, the class this morning. A person, he wakes, wakes up on time, he goes to shul, he has a good davening, a good learning, and he gets home and his wife says, you brought the wrong mayonnaise, and she throws it in his face. You know, what happened here, right? And he's like, whoa, what happened here? The response is not, whoa, what happened here? To switch from emotion mode to the different type of mode. It's okay, right. The switch from emotion mode to brain mode. That's the secret here. That if now he continues on emotion mode, 
it's going to ruin it. How could you say it to me? What I bought with this and that? If he now uses the emotions to continue, finished, finito, uh, musical, they say in Spanish or Italian, right? Everything's finished now at that point. What's needed is now the, the, the input of the intellect. In fact, the, the wife, she's looking for that. The wife, when there's a keter crisis, if you want to call it, where there's an outburst, she needs to hear from the husband the organizing of the mind. So an example, a man comes home, we're going into details, yes, of course. A man comes home and his wife gets angry at him and he gets a bit built up. But instead of getting built up, he now responds in the right way. What's the right way? Here's an example. The wife is letting out all of her emotional pain of this to happen and this and that. And the man's listening and he says to wife, you finished? She says, yes. Or she said, no, I didn't finish. And there's much more to say. So he lets her out more and more to go out more and more. Let it out, let it out. And after another 10 minutes or another hour, are you finished? No, I have more to say. Okay, let's go on. Okay. But finally, anymore? No, I'm finished now. Okay, what did you want to say? He said, I just want to go over, please, with you. What you I, want to, I want to make sure I understood you properly. Is that okay? And the man now repeats what she said, but coming from a place of intellect. I'm just like a, like a, like a police uh, investigator. I want to now just make sure I got all the notes of the incident properly. So I'd like to just say, is this A, B, C, D? Yes, yes, that's what I said. Okay, B, C, D, yes, yes. And he lists, he, he repeats to her from intellectual mode, not emotional mode, what she said, what she gave over to him. And she says, yeah, that's right. So the man says, you know, I understand you perfectly well. She said, thank you. That's what I was waiting for. That you can understand. That you can relate to me. I feel for you. I understand, my dear, my honey. I understand exactly what you're coming from. Thank God. That's what she needed to hear. That he's coming from a place of not emotion, but of intellect to explain the ideas and make sense, this and that. And then he can present his side. Honey, I understand all this. I understand your feeling and everything. But do you think, yes, we can maybe do like this, like what I want to happen? She says, yes, okay, I agree, you know, you're right and everything. She, in the end, will end up accepting what he's saying because he didn't hit back with emotional uh, aggressiveness and force. He switched to the intellectual goal because when she's feeding him this bounce, so it gives him a chance to fix the inventory. He switches from the heart to the brain, okay, let's see all this input coming in, let's organize it, okay. I see she's saying this, 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 okay, I'm taking notes, I'm taking notes in my head, boom, 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 A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Okay, let's go over it now, from the intellectual, like a lawyer or a police reporter, okay, let's go over the things. And then he's able to repeat it from the intellectual side, this is what she wanted to hear. Because the emotion is built up. She's emotion as being a keter, and then all of a sudden, you also are emotion, forget it, gamarnu, nothing will be done. And the goal of this is to bring the whole couple together because she's the crown. She's the crown. She's containing the light of the Keter of Hashem. But it comes in this format of an interface of a bounce back. That's how it has to come. It has to come in a bounce back. No way that it comes smoothly. It has to be that way because that's the only way a person by being bounced will now organize the inventory of his mind. So once this is done, there's an inventory, there's a brain. So now the man has the light of the infinite light shining into him with her benefiting together. It's a joint, it's a joint mission. It's a joint uh, uh, business venture of, of pursuing this light. But this is how Rav Nassim brings to light this concept, which is so like high and, and spooky and very like metaphysical. And he shows it in daily living of husband and wife. With this, you can understand what the goal of husband and wife is is the balance of emotion 
and brain and to know when to use them. The man has emotions, yes, but when? When, he's, when there's a green light, he's going, 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 going. But then when he hits the bounce back, switch quickly from emotion mode to intellectual mode. So now going back, Rabbi Nachman's secret for a person to be able to switch so easily from emotion mode to intellectual mode is simcha. The simcha of the mitzvah is the key that when this happens, he doesn't take it wrongly. He takes it poss- possibly in the positive attitude. He's able now to easily switch from emotional mode to intellectual mode. Because if not, the person gets bounced back and he stays down. It's like a, a guilt. You don't love me anymore. Hashem, you don't need me. My life is worthless. All these feelings of futility and depression come in because the person has stayed in emotional mode. What's needed is, the person, is, is to get the person into actual intellectual mode. But to do that, a person needs to do the mitzvot be simcha enjoy. This was the lesson, lesson 24. This is Rav Nossin's expanding it, showing how it relates to all of us. Uh, am I in accord with everyone? This was practical. Was this something useful? Thank you. Okay. Now we present for the first time ever a challenge called the 40-day challenge. Before we start this 40-day challenge, I have to first explain to you how this amazing book, Likutei Moharan by Rabbi Nachman works. This is not a normal Torah book. In which sense? In that, the more you learn these teachings, the more you begin to see them coming to life. It's crazy. You can say the same thing about Gemara, Dafyomi, Mishnah, Talacha, but you need to be a big, big tzaddik to see when learning a Gemara how the whole world comes to life from the Gemara. Chasidut in definition, in particular Rabbi Nachman's teachings, is he takes the deepest parts of the Torah down to you. He's bringing them to you. When you learn the ideas, you begin to activate them in your life. You begin to see them waking up and being present in your life. And it wasn't happening before you learned these teachings. This is something very unique to these teachings. However, what does it help me? What does it help me now that I've, I see all these hints and messages and everything? I need to change. I need to make a growth. Okay? The next stage is called davening about it. There's a concept called la'asot mitorot tfilot to re-decipher, to re-express these Torah ideas in prayer format. Like we said earlier, Rabbi Nachman had a disciple, Rav Nosin. He wrote another book, possibly one of the most important books in Brestle literature. It's called Likutei Tfilot. How this book, it's a collection of prayers, but what prayers? These are prayers based on these lessons in Likutei Moran. What's the difference? You know, I say Tehillim every day. I say Shachar bin Chamarev. Tehillim and Shachar bin Chamarev, you have to find yourself in the words. You have to connect to the words. You have to concentrate. These prayers come to you. In that, when you begin to say them with an honest, open heart, you begin to see how they are explaining who you really are. It opens you up. Okay? This idea of learning the lessons and then praying about them could be compared to a guy now who has, God forbid, uh, like a skin infection, okay? And then he, to get the cream to, to, for the skin infection costs like $500. So finally, finally, he got 500 bucks and he bought the cream. So he went, comes to the pharmacy, oh, I have the cream, I have the cream. But you dodo brain, if you don't apply it to the wound, it's not going to heal. So it's two stages. Getting finally the, 
the treatment, the, the, the healing, and applying it in the right area. Learning liquid tamarind is something fascinating in that the more you learn it, you begin to activate it clearly in a general sense. You begin to see it in your life. But now I want to apply it in specific areas. This is the praying part of it. This is Rav Nussin's prayers on this lesson. There's no other book in Torah, Torah literature that has prayers based on them except for the Chumash. We have the five books of Moses, the Chamisha Chumshet Torah, Bereshit, Shmot, Vaikra, Bamidvar, Dvarim. And corresponding to them, we have the five books of Tehillim that King David with Tadut Tzadikim composed. Why five books? So the, the sages teach the five books of David, of the Tehillim, correspond to the five books of the Chumash. Meaning what? That all the pleas and supplications and prayers that King David is saying in Tehillim, Shamar Nafshi, Hatzileni Na, Ana Hashem, we said this morning in Holland, Ana Hashem, Na, all of these prayers that King David is mentioning in the five books of Tehillim is to fulfill what's written in the five books of the Chumash. The only other book in the whole Torah world, you can take a look for yourself, that has prayers written on them, is this book of Rabbi Nachman called the Likud Moran, with these prayers written by Rav Nasi. Okay? And in this case, it's phenomenal that anybody, even a layman, who just goes over these lessons and these prayers, begins to see, number one, its activation in their life in a general sense, and then when praying about it, seeing it directed on a personal level. Now we present to you the challenge. We prepared here, prepared here two PDF files, one with the entire lesson, but, however, another book, <laughs> there's another book called the abridged Likute Moran. Rabbi Nachman saw that his book called Likute Moran is pretty deep for the average person. Why? Because Rabbi Nachman, how he works in his book, Likute Moran, he presents an idea, and then he brings a proof to back it up. If it's a verse from the Torah, if it's a Gemara, if it's a Midrash, if it's a Zohar, and you need the backup information to know the flow of the, of the context. And you can lose yourself, because there's so many details, you can lose the flow. A, a, a learned person, even someone who has basic learning of Torah, can go with it. But the average person who wants to pick up, okay, what's the points? I want the practical points, will find it difficult to do that. So under Rabbi Nachman's instruction, Rav Nosin composed an abridged version where he, connect, he, he goes into listing the practical points and concepts that come out of each lesson in this book, Likutei Moran, where it's listed in point form. Okay? The advantage is, even learning this activates them, because you're mentioning concepts that you won't find anywhere else in the Torah. Like this leads to this, it's, it's a book of advice, how to serve Hashem. So we prepared a PDF file with the entire lesson 24, with, an, with English translation, Hebrew and English, and the entire prayer, Rav Nossin's prayer 24 in Hebrew and English. That's one PDF file. The second one is a Google chart, also PDF file, on a 40-day challenge. We take in this lesson in prayer, broken it up in 40 days. Not you're saying the same thing every day, but pieces of it so it's manageable. So the person, after 40 days, can see the following. Or a change in their life. Or that this is going to begin to change me in my life. Or he might not see any change, which I doubt. I present to everyone here this challenge. Try it out. You have nothing to lose because it's only davening and Torah study involved here. It's no Kabbalah, mysticism, huji-buji, nothing like that. It's all straightforward, sincere, serving of Hashem, just learning ideas, davening about them, relating to them. See if this moves something in your life. Give it a shot. 
give Rabbi Nachman a chance to open up parts of your neshama that you never touched in your life. Parts of you that you never got to. Not that I'm scared to go there. No. Positive parts of you that you never knew of your existence. Rabbi Nachman says in one place that a man is like an elephant scared of a mouse. We have such strength. Even the, regular, the, the simplest, lowest Jew has such strength to stand up against the entire world. He doesn't know about his own strength. This is the famous statement about a Jewish person. You don't know what you have inside of you. Let Rabbi Nachman enter. Let him tap into you. Use his teachings. Use the prayers on these lessons to open you up to a new, new level of davening a new level of connection to Hashem that you never had, that you always wanted, but just wasn't available because no one was talking about it, no one offered it to me, let this tzaddik give you this opportunity. Yeah, we can send it to you. I know it's a recorded class, but at least let's bring it down. By email, if you like by email, you can take this down. It's Breslov Therapy, B-R-E-S-L-O-V Therapy at gmail.com. Or we have a WhatsApp number. It's an American number, 732-800-1863. Thank you for joining the Shir. It's my wish that you should really give Rabbi Nachman a chance. Taste, try this 40-day challenge using Lesson 24. See that it opens up in your Shalom Bayit, in your personal struggles of your emotions and your intellect. See how this makes a change. Take some questions. Right. Of course questions. Of course questions. Sorry, sorry? Email? Be Breast love therapy. It's on the papers, yeah, it's on the papers there. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody.